live from the Elliott Avenue studios of Sports Radio 950 KJR. This is Sounders Weekly with your host, Jackson Feltz. Good evening and welcome to Sounders Weekly. Your one hour of in-depth Sounders FC talk on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here with former Sounder captain Danny Jackson. Danny, thanks for coming back in studio today. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. we got a variety of topics to talk about here after an off weekend for our club. Sounders looking ahead facing Sporting Kansas City in Kansas City on Sunday. So we have that to look ahead to. In addition to just some big picture talk, Garth Logaway, General Manager and President of Soccer with the Seattle Sounders. He'll be joining us at his usual time. Right around should be about 7.25 here this evening. So a whole bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, in addition to a contest we'll have in the last segment where you will have a chance to win a $100 gift certificate towards a dining experience at Urbane in the Hyatt at Olive 8. So a cool contest there coming up at the end of the show. But we start, Danny, by asking a very, very simple question looking at social media and looking at Twitter and all the people who love this club so dearly. They're panicking. They are definitely panicking at 0-3 without a goal scored yet. So the simple question to open up Sounders Weekly today, Danny, is should they be panicking? Are you panicking? Why is anybody panicking? No panic. No panic. No panic. I mean, (laughs) listen, we're at the beginning of the season. We've had uh, a slow start, and we can certainly look back on the last few years where it really took us a while to get going. Um, We had the Champions League. There was a focus in that and on that through preseason, getting the guys ready and prepped. And I think you can certainly see that the guys were ready to play. They were fit. They were healthy uh, for the most part of the players on the field. Granted, we obviously carrying some injuries. We've got some guys coming back, which is exciting, including Ozzy Alonso. But no, I don't think there's a panic. This this squad is experienced. Uh, Garth Lagway spoke to this at the beginning of the year. 16 of 17 players, something like that, coming back. Jovan Jones, I think, really was one of the only starting players not back uh, for this season. So if there's a squad in this league that has had a consistent backbone and foundation, it's this club. When you think about Stefan Fry and the longevity he's had in goal now and, and the experience he's got from your Chad Marshall, your Torres, not just in this league, but internationally and the success he's had with Panama going to the World Cup this year. You go through Ozzy Alonso, huge experience coming back into the team, we hope. Ladero, Boca Juniors. The exp- so... You could talk to really about any player and the, and, the, and, the, and the success they've had through their career, the experience, which is really what Brian Schmetz is going to lean on. He's going to lean on the experience, the kind of the muscle memory of what it takes to win games, what it takes to score goals. Clint Dempsey, an obvious uh, likely candidate to, to hopefully get some goals going. And, and that's what we need. You know, it's not, uh, it doesn't have to be 25 yards top corner. It can be off the backside, off the shin, you know, from three yards out. It doesn't matter for forwards. It's just about getting the ball in the back of the net. And I think uh, this club has taken a while to get going this year, as they, like I said, as they have done over the last couple of years. But, you know, let's go back to 2016. You know, what an up and down, topsy turvy first two thirds of the season that was. Brian Schmetzer comes in after a. Terrible game against Kansas City in the heat, end of July, Ziggy Schmidt's last game. And uh, what a turnaround. So it, can, it shows it can just be the flick of a switch, a slight different nuanced approach to the game, whether it's formationally, 
tactically, whether it's bringing one or two new players in. In that case, it was Ladero and Schmetz. Right. Right. That galvanized this club. So I think Brian's just got to kind of pull on a few strings, push on a few levers, figure out what it's going to take to get this team going. But I mean, certainly the ingredients are there. It's just kind of putting it all together and getting it on the field. We'll get to the attack that you mentioned there and the issues going on right there and kind of yep. a, a diagnosis of that. One of the guys you mentioned in there, Ozzy Alonso. We heard from Brian Schmetzer earlier this week that he is ready to play. He's good to go. He will not be 90 minutes fit as he spoke with our own Dave Softy Mahler yesterday. Uh, but either way, whether it's 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it ends up being, even if just 10 minutes, to have him back out on the field is a great sign. It's a galvanizing presence in the locker room. It's a galvanizing presence on the field. We talked about it the last game. When you are struggling, you need a player, a leader, not just in voice, but in action. You need a guy that's going to grab somebody by the scruff of the neck and drag them and push them and tell them where to go. Roldan, you know, he's had a kind of an up-and-down start in terms of his high level of play, suddenly coming off 2017. Someone like Ozzy Alonso, even though he's got Svensson next to him, Ozzy brings something a little bit different. That bite in the midfield, like, like a Roy Keane brought to that Manchester United squad, the kind of the, the competitiveness that you need. And you need a player like that to kind of drag you up, pull you out this little hole you've dug yourself. And he's the type of player, we talked about Ladero coming in, galvanizing this team in 16. Is he a player that can kind of galvanize this team? And the question is, is at 32 years old, I think that's his age, um, you know, and, and his level of fitness, what can he bring to this team now? And what, certainly what can he bring throughout the course of the years? So I, I think he's going to be a huge add to this club, certainly in the predicament we're in right now. I think he's a player that's at the right time, the right place can come in and make a big impact. So going back to the attack that you talked about, yeah. and Ozzy absolutely will make a big difference, especially when we see him hopefully 90 minutes fit there against the Minnesota when they come to town on the 22nd. But looking ahead to this one, and specifically now focusing on the attack, and, and Kansas City was a staunt defensive team last year. I mean, this is a team they allowed, I think, seven less goals than the second-place team for goals given up. But for the Sounders, how do they go about scoring a goal when they haven't scored one this season against a team like that? I mean, we talked about it after the Montreal game, you know, diagnosing... You have chances and you have headers that go right into Evan Bush's chest. You know, is it a matter of that being just unlucky? Is it a matter of creativity? How do we diagnose this attack right now? It, it, it's tough. I mean, I think there's multiple facets. I mean, if you look back at the games we've played so far, LAFC, 22 shots on goal, 7 on target. Dallas, 13, 12 shots in Dallas. Always a tough place to play. Mm -hmm. Montreal, 13 shots. So I think, you know, the, the, the glass half full is that we're creating opportunities we're creating some level of pressure now it's about what brian has spoken about for years now you know when the teams had ch uh, challenges in the final third is execution quality in the execution taking half a breath when you have that chance in front of goal and just putting it inside foot into the corner instead of trying to blast it through the net i think it's those nuances and again like i mentioned you got the right players in those positions for the most part in terms of track record you got a dempsey ladero's um, chipped in at the beginning of the season with a couple of goals you've got bruin who comes off a great year of 2017 probably surpassed somewhat all our expectations of what he was going to do and what he had to do for this club to get to the finals so you know i, I again it's not a panic um, I think you lean on players. Again, it goes back to muscle memory, being in the right spot at the right time. But I think that ability to put in good quality from outside areas, get the ball into the box, which Bruin really kind of feasts off, those good deliveries. And then for me, it's going to be a factor of crashing the box with more players. You know, those balls that bounce around, can you get on the end of those loose balls? Can you get two, three, four players to crash the box? I go back to 2016. Um, again, kind of the anemic offense we had in Kansas City, the last game of, of Ziggy's career. I think we had one scuffed shot 
from a breakaway in the last minute of the game. The tough game, right? And that's when you struggle and, and that's when you start to panic. Um, mm-hmm. But when you come back and you look at the type of game that we played against the Galaxy in that first game back in Brian Schmetzer's career, how many players, in my opinion, crashed the box? There was two, three, four, five players getting inside the box. That's just a desire to get there. So, um, you know, we have the backbone of this team in terms of defense to allow guys to take a risk once in a while. You've got a couple of solid um, center, uh, central midfield players, whether it's a combination of Aussie, Svensson, and Roldan, to feel good about giving yourself a chance, get in the box, take a chance. Um, and then the question is, is do you play something a little bit different? Um, we mentioned it in post-game. My comment is, as a player, sometimes you need your imagination to be tweaked. And you don't want to necessarily go through the same things over and over again and just wait for something to happen. Sometimes you have to make things happen. That can be a formational or tactical change. Uh, is it going to be a 4-4-2? You know, do you play a diamond? These are the things that Brian Schmitz has tried out in preseason. It's worked, by all accounts. If you go back, yeah. look at the games we played, the chances we created, goals scored, and the comments Brian Schmitz have made. Playing a different formation is something that he could lean on, and it, would, it might inspire the players to look at the game a little bit different. It might put somebody else up front with Will Bruin. Give him a partner. Don't let him feel so isolated up there. We play narrow anyhow. We play with those three offensive midfield players in a narrow set, almost the width of the 18, and our wide play is demanded by our outside backs. Um, so again, if you play a diamond, you're still playing somewhat narrow, but it plays into the way that these midfield players play. Then it's a question of, do you have a Svensson sit and a Roldan be a bit more offensive? Seven goals last year from offensive positions. Is that another play you can release from that, that deep spot in midfield and get him in the box? Because you know one thing, he's a willing runner. And he'll get there and he can finish as well. And it seems like a guy with Christian now, with Ozzy out, he's it feels like he's sort of been taking over that Ozzy role where he has to he has to focus on the defensive mind there with Ozzy not there. If Ozzy comes back, then that suddenly allows Christian to then go forward a little bit more. It, it seems like his aggressiveness will be able to return on the offensive end. Yes, um I, I certainly think Svensson has been a, an absolute dream for this club. Great, yeah. and, and in terms of the number of positions he can play and what he brings. I mean, he just brings such uh, composure to the field. Um, he's in the right spot at the right time. He's not. He doesn't cover as much ground per se as what it appears like a Roldan does, but he's always in the right place at the right time. He's one of those unsung heroes in the, in that midfield position. He wins the ball, plays it simple, doesn't overcomplicate the game, and again, he can be versatile in where he plays. So, I think Roldan, you know, he, he's at US camp, and he's coming off a sol- solid 2017. Maybe that, you know, inherently, subconsciously, he feels there's a bit more pressure on him, you know, to bring something else into his game. Maybe it's a leadership role, something like that. So, maybe he's kind of I won't say he's overthinking his game in any way, shape, or form, but maybe there's other things playing into the fact that, hey, I'm a national team player now. Uh, I'm an experienced MLS player who's been to two championships. Um, what else do I bring to my game? How do I evolve my game? So it could be a formational shift. I think a Christian Roldan is really kind of the X factor. If you can release him, you get a Ladero going, you get a Rodriguez back at some point, you know, you get Dempsey and Bruin up front, up top together, both goal scorers in this league. So, you know, I think Brian's got some, some decisions to make, um, but I think he's got some exciting decisions to make in terms of formation and personnel. So we'll see what kind of lineup he comes out with on Sunday against Sporting Kansas City. We'll have that broadcast right here for you on Sports Radio 950 KJR, 1 p.m. kickoff. Pre-game will start at 12.30 there on Sunday. Looking at that attacking band of three, Danny, that we you just mentioned there, and, and how this thing shapes up, if it is still the four-two-three-one chance that we see Handwell Abuana and Magnus Wolf Eichram in there. An interesting thing that we 
saw in the match against Montreal was that at halftime, Calvin Leardham gets the red card in the 40th minute. Schmetzer switches to a 4-4-1. And in doing that at the 45 mark, he takes off Magnus wolf Eichram, leaving on Hanwell Abuana. And that kind of interested me, and I wanted to get your take on it, in the sense of what that says about Magnus and what that says about Hanwell. We'll start with Magnus first, a guy who came in here. He had flashes of brilliance, flashes of, wow, this guy can really perform. But... It seems like, you know, Schmetzer said yesterday with Softy that he's still working his way onto a starting role with the squad. I would agree, and I think if you looked at his performances against Sansa Tecla, now you've got to take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. You know, we, we, you lose there 2-1, to one, and you come in here and you really dominate the game, and as to be expected, uh, in front of a home crowd, the way that we can play. You know, it, it's, it's those adages that coaches say, it's easy to play on a on a dominating team performance on a on an evening game in uh, in front of Sounders fans as an attacking midfield player, you've got space, you've got time, you've got to create chances, you've got players around you that can that can compete and can connect. You know that's easy. The question is when you go to a Chivas, when you go to a Dallas, and your back's against the wall to some extent, and you need to be a player in those offensive midfield positions that's going to allow going to be able to collect the ball and then create offense, keep the ball number one. Put yourself in a position to receive the ball in space and obviously do something with it. You know, there's not going to be many chances when you go away from home in the MLS and how difficult it is. And certainly going at the altitude, going to Chivas, you know, the lack of opportunity the team knew they were going to have there in terms of chances on goals. So, you know, yes, I think that an Icrum comes off the field at halftime partially because of tactics. I think the 4 one actually went really well. I think they, they created chances. And again, it might put some in the back of Schmetz's mind about what formation he plays to start the game with 11 players. But I also think it was performance. Um, you know, and, and if Brian's looking at a player like Eichmann that really wasn't getting into the game in that first half, minimal um, touches uh, in the first half, certainly in the offensive third of the field and meaningful touches. And you look at Buwana that um, on the opposite side of it, you think, okay, a player like that has such... Um, speed, mm-hmm. um, out and outright speed, which is what the Sounders are lacking now without Jordan Morris, is when you're a, player, a, a downer player and you need to have an outlet. You need to have a player that can somehow open his legs up. And I think, you know, Brian might be looking at that over the last couple of weeks and saying, how do we utilize an asset like that more? You know, do you demand the ball, get out to his feet? Does he sit a little bit wider? So then the outside defender has to make a decision. Do I go a little tighter to get on him on this first touch? to prevent him getting momentum against me and putting me on the back foot? Or do I maintain uh, my connection to my central defenders, stay narrow, but Buana stays out wide, collects the ball, and then he picks up some pace with the ball and goes against the defender. So I think those are the kind of the tactical nuances that Brian can help um, Buana with in terms of how he collects the ball in the right spots. But more importantly, how does he use the assets that he's got, those natural assets that he has in terms of speed, in terms of good with the ball, running at speed? Um, those are the situations that Brian needs to, to figure out how to get him the ball in those right spots because he can cause some serious problems. Former Sounder Captain Danny Jackson sitting in here with me for Sounders. we got a couple minutes left here in our opening segment. Danny, switching gears, you know Brian Schmetzer well, you know him personally, and one of the things that we heard from him in his last post-game press conference after Montreal, speaking of the Kelvin Leardam red card, the key line in there was, this sort of stuff is going to stop. And from your experience with Brian and, and with disciplinary issues, I wanted to see what your thoughts are in terms of how he's going to do that. When he says, it's going to stop, what sort of things does that mean You know, in terms of private conversations with players? What's the sort of tone going to be? How is he going to go about making that happen? Well, I think man management is certainly one of Brian's biggest attributes. He's able to pull players in individually in small groups. The leaders on the team lean on those guys. It's certainly... 
is what he did in 2016 coming into this team as the head coach. He certainly lent on the players with experience to try and get something more out of them. And then obviously that has a domino effect on the players around them and how the influence can happen from within the dressing room, not just uh, with the voice and the influence of a Brian Schmetzer. But, you know, when you look at those situations, yes, um, Dempsey, Dallas, Montreal, it was Leardam. Uh, certainly for Leardam, it was out of character. We've seen Clint do it a few times, getting frustrated. But these things happen in games. And um, I don't think Brian's going to make too much of it. I think he's going to pull guys aside. He's going to make a couple of you know poignant comments. Uh, <laughs> probably made it in the dressing room. You know, and, and Pete and I talked about in the last game is when does the hot cups of tea get thrown around? And when does Brian really explode on this team? Um, I think there's some stern words to be done. I've seen Brian, you know, be be fierce at the right times. But more importantly... He knows these are experienced players. You know, we have an experienced squad. He doesn't need to overplay his hand and state the obvious too many times. He just wants to get those players back on the field. He feels from he's a player's uh, coach in some ways. You know, he remembers being out there. He just wants to get back on the field, get this team in a position to win. And he'll shoulder that responsibility. It's been a long four weeks for this club. Yeah. Uh, when you think about Dallas and the loss and winning two weeks, Montreal losing waiting two weeks. And that's two games, two losses in four weeks, and you can't get back out on the field quick enough for this team to get back, alleviate those memories, and get back on the winning column and get some points on the board. So, you know, I think it's it's going to be Brian. Brian's the right person in the right place to kind of say the right things. And I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, the comment he made in the post-game press conference. I look at what he did say is, you know, in the in the, in the heat of the moment, you need control and composure. You need to take a breath. And uh, that's not just in those situations that prevent you getting a yellow or red card. It's also in the 18-yard box when you put the, put the ball in the back of the net. And that is the focus, putting balls in the back of the net. Uh, Danny Jackson in studio. My name is Jackson Feltz. Uh, getting ready for our interview with General Manager and President of Soccer, Garth Lagerway. That's coming up in a few minutes here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Before we go to break, I wanted to tell you about a cool contest that the Sounders are organizing right now. It's called Rivalry Road Trip. So the concept is that 10 lucky fans will win a trip to the historic 100th match between the Seattle Sounders and Portland Timbers. That is down in Portland on May 13th. So the prize includes a chartered bus to and from Portland, two tickets to the May 13th match, a commemorative scarf, food and beverages throughout the trip, a guest of their choice to accompany them, and two tickets to the Sounders FC home match against Portland on June 30th. So you get two tickets to the match in Portland. You get two tickets to the match in Seattle against Portland. I mean, you can't miss those games for sure, but seeing it from Portland is a great experience. You can't miss that. The winners will be announced in a staggered release, so the first grand prize winner will be announced at halftime during the match on April 22nd against Minnesota. The second winner will be announced on Steve Zakawani's podcast on April 24th. The third winner will be announced on the Sounders FC broadcast here on KJR on April 29th, and the seven remaining winners will be on this show, Sounders Weekly, the announcement coming on May 1st. So that will be the announcement for those 10 winners. Now, you're wondering, how the heck do I do this? It sounds like a pretty good deal. There's a great prize. How do I get in on it? It's pretty easy. All you got to do is go to soundersfc.com slash rivalryroadtrip. That's soundersfc.com slash rivalryroadtrip. You have until Saturday, April 28th at 5 p.m. to enter. So that's April 28th. So you just have have 
18 days now to enter, so it's easy. SoundersFC.com slash Rivalry Road Trip. An awesome grand prize that gets you tickets to the game down there, to the game up here. You can't miss these rivalry games. They are the best. Uh, Danny, you can speak to the rivalry games. There's absolutely nothing like them in sports derbies. There's not. I mean, Portland, Seattle. I mean, I remember going back to the days that I played there. We played Portland, uh, the last Seattle Portland game as it stood right then before uh, both clubs made it into the MLS. They were carrying coffins uh, through the uh, through the crowd with all our names on. Um, but I remember, I always remember, it was an odd thing. You know, the away team would warm up uh, in front of what their main stand was at that time, where all the rowdy fans were. And we used to just line up on the 18-yard box and do shooting practice, but we wouldn't necessarily aim for the goal. <laughs> We'd aim for the most annoying guy in the crowd, and we would just smash it as hard as we could. And, and you know, it probably wasn't the right thing to do. But it was one of those things we always wondered, why are they putting us in front of all these people who are sitting there nonchalantly <laughs> saying a few things here and there? And we used to aim that ball in that stand as hard as we could. So uh, it was a fun place to play, singing jingle bells when you'd win with all the doors wide open, banging away <laughs> on the lockers. It's a great place to play. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it, I think, in this league. I mean, there's certainly games now you can certainly say they're starting to get there. Um, in the East Coast, there's certainly some games as well, and, and up and down the West Coast here. But uh, it's a special rivalry. It's a special game. I'm not going to ask you if, whether or not you hit a fan. Oh, I will, yeah. I will, okay, so good. You I'm sure. I'm sure. You don't feel bad about it, though, right? You know, uh, no. Good. Um, okay, good no, answer. Not, not, at, not at the time, certainly. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're hurling abuse at you. So uh, it was. Uh, no, those are fun games. They were fun games. Awesome. Danny Jackson, former Sounders captain, in here. My name is Jackson Feltz. Uh, Garth Lagerway, Sounders general manager and president of soccer. He will join us next, coming up on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Welcome back to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders, Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Feltz here in studio. Alongside me is former Sounder captain Danny Jackson. We are looking ahead to kickoff on Sunday. Seattle Sounders playing Sporting Kansas City in KC. That is Sunday at 1 p.m. kickoff and 12.30 will be the start of pregame, which I will be hosting there. Matt Johnson on the call for kickoff at 1 o'clock p.m. Pacific. Uh, all right, it is a pleasure around this time every single week to have Sounders General Manager and President Garth Loggerway join us here on the show. Uh, Garth, thank you again. It's a pleasure to have you back on Sounders Weekly. Thanks for having me, as always. So, Garth, uh, as usual, uh, a number of questions in this interview will come from our listeners via Reddit and via Twitter. I like to include them in the process. Before we get to that and before Danny, I know Danny Jackson here has a couple questions for you. Wanted to get your initial uh, opinion on something that came out last week. It's something that you hear sometimes in sports, and I wanted to get your reaction as a general manager. But Nico Ladero comes out in an interview and makes a comment about saying, you know, I'd love to go back to Boca Juniors. And it's something that you understand as a human being, you know, a guy wanting to go back to the place he's been to his home. But on the other side, as a fan, it is a little bit worrisome. Wanted to get your first uh, reaction to that comment he made last week. Uh, it's not something that concerns me. I mean, Nico's got a long-term contract with us. and uh, He's been a very, very good player for us. We've won a championship and gone to a second final since he's joined us. So I think it's pretty tough to try to question his commitment to the Sounders and to the club. I think he gives everything. Uh, and if you come out and watch practice, he, he's given everything every day in, in training sessions. And uh, I think he's given everything every day in games. And, and uh, certainly I have no complaints uh, with Nico and uh, have complete faith in his dedication to the club and, and uh, the effort uh, that he's made uh, both on the field and, and in our locker room to make us better. Uh, he's a real competitor. 
Um, and uh, I think he's been a really important signing for the club. I'm glad we can squash that right away. I'm glad we can kind of just get that. That's the end of that conversation. All right, guys. So now to get to some fun stuff here. And the ongoing conversation we've had for weeks now has been the conversation about bringing in a new Tamer designated player. Uh, one of the questions that came up, we'll start lighthearted here from Crazy on Reddit. What are some of the biggest difficulties you run into trying to bring in a, a big name player to the squad like a Nico or, or a Clint Dempsey? And then as a follow-up to that, he wanted to know what are things that fans can do to help you bring in those big names? <laughs> uh, keep supporting the team, man. <laughs> uh, every, every dollar our owners are great. And every dollar revenue we bring in, we're, you know, we're, we pump into our soccer team. So um, fans are helping us literally every week when they're coming and supporting our team and, and showing what a great atmosphere it is. Um, every single highlight video we, we show to players in terms of their recruitment uh, are shots of the stadium and shots of the, the atmosphere that our fans bring. And, and uh, you know, it, it's unique uh, and it's important and it's helped us numerous times in terms of persuading people to come. So please keep showing up. Please keep supporting the team. And uh, that make, that stuff makes, honestly, a big difference uh, in terms of the impression these guys get uh, who may be less familiar with, with what the Sounders are. Um, and, and look, you know, I feel like this is uh, the same answer. You know, we're looking, we're, we're going to find some good players and, and, uh, and hopefully get uh, uh, at least one of them signed and, you know, maybe more than that. So uh, we'll keep working at it. And in the meantime, uh, I think it's important to say that we uh, have guys here that are capable of doing a job and we have a good team and, and we're capable of getting results with the group that's here. Hey, Garth, a couple of quick questions. Big picture from a scouting standpoint. I know you guys have had such success, you and Chris Henderson, kind of scouring the globe, bringing in the likes of Ladero and the success, as you mentioned, he's had over the last couple of years. Lear Dam, obviously, big acquisition last year in that position of right back. Torres has obviously had a really strong couple of years here. Nuhu coming in through the uh, S2 program. Well done, Morris, you know, in a different avenue through the draft and through Morris's uh, situation coming out of college as well. Maybe speak to the quality of scouting across the league. We're seeing Felipe Gutierrez has had a big start coming into Sporting KC. We'll see him hopefully this weekend. You know, Ibrahimovic has obviously come in a slightly different type of player towards the end of his career now, whereas, you know, some of these younger players are coming into the league younger. Uh, maybe speak to that in the broad context of scouting and how that's improved across the league over the last, you know, call it three to five years. Sure. Uh, you know, Chris is Chris Henderson is, I think, among the best of the business, if not the best. So we're very fortunate to have him, and he, he does an awesome job, and um, that's been the case for a long time. Uh, in terms of the league, you know, the league has doubled the salary cap in the last two years. So uh, when you double the amount of money you spend, you're able to sign better players. And, you know, I think that's what we've seen. Uh, you know, and when you double the budget, you're responsible for a lot more from a financial standpoint. And, uh, that encourages them to, to build the infrastructure around that. So uh, it encourages you to hire more scouts, increase your scouting capacity, um, and just increase your bandwidth in terms of uh, identifying players and um, doing your homework to make sure you've covered all uh, all the angles and vetted them and, and gotten them out. And I think league-wide, what you've seen is, you know, people – uh, start uh, teams start to add people, um, start to add scouts, start to add data analysis uh, to their process, um, video analysis to their process. I think mean, I think virtually everybody has a performance person now, a video person uh, as well as scouts. Uh, and honestly, five years ago, uh, you had teams that didn't have any of those. You know, when I was at Salt Lake, we didn't have any of those. So, um, you know, it, it was uh, it's it's something that just shows the progress of the league, and I think it's only going to continue to grow.
So when you go and speak to players like Ladero, you know, join the process, Alia Dam, what are the, some of the questions? What are the things that motivates a player like that who comes into this league, you know, really in the kind of the pinnacle of his career, those mid-20s are so important. You know, Almiron at, at Atlanta United, we've seen Valeri come in, you know, a number of years ago, has had huge success as as, as Giovinco. What are the, some of the things you're looking for when you speak to these players, and what what are some of the characteristics you'll see seek out when you're looking for that next uh, designated player, whoever that might be, coming into the team? Uh, you want to see guys that are dedicated to the group, to the team, and to the club and the city. And, and you know, you don't want players coming in that are just about themselves. So you're going to try to ask them about that. You know, historically in Seattle, we've had a lot of success with guys who have families. Um, have, so you look at kind of the demographic that's worked for you in the past. Uh, and, you know, I think each case is unique. Uh, each individual is unique. You have to understand what's important to them. And, you know, the interview is, uh, again, I, I'll, you guys will hear me say this all the time, it's, it's not that much different uh, from running any other kind of business. And you approach it by trying to learn uh, who the person is on the other side that you're you're dealing with, that you, uh, you know, may be attempting to hire. And uh, you try to get a feel for them and try to get a feel for their values and their work ethic and how they're going to problem solve and do they want to be part of a group. And um, if you get some, you know, some good answers, some constructive answers to those questions, and you know, that's more some place where you like to move forward. I, mean, I think a, a player's uh, mentality is is critical. To, you know, when you're talking about DPS and you're talking about signing, uh, you know, two or three of these guys total, you know, maybe one every couple of years. Um, they're critical decisions, and you really have to come at them from every every direction, every angle, and make sure you bet them uh, completely. Carlin, on on the topic of the DP and, and, and Tam player, they are a long term position where you aren't thinking about just you know how is he going to help us right now. You're thinking of how is he going to help us down the road. And you've stated before that the idea is to bring in a number nine. And I think a lot of people are, are wondering what that means for the future of Jordan Morris to bring in a fast number nine. If you see him developing as more of a winger now, and then how his injury may play a role and, and how it may affect the thoughts on him succeeding as a winger going forward, if that is the case. I would say we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we have to, unfortunately, Jordan's going to miss the season. We have to find a replacement for Jordan and, or the function that Jordan provided within our group. Um, I think that we have to add someone who's able to score goals. Um, and that's something that we look at our team. That's that's something that we're not as good at right now. We don't have a, we, we have a number of players, a couple of guys who are good at it, but we need more players that are good at it. Um, and so that's what we're going to attempt to add. And, you know, look, if uh, at any point, at any position, uh, if you have good young players, you always want to make sure you make good long-term decisions for them. But if you get an, uh, you know, say you sign a nine and he scores goals and he's hardworking and he's got the right team mentality, um, you're always going to be able to accommodate that type of player. Uh, and you're going to be able to accommodate uh, Jordan or anybody else with them. Uh, you know, it's not like we've played 4-2-3-1 for the last decade and it's immutable and there's no possible chance we'll, we'd ever adjust our style. I mean, we can, you know, we played with a two-forward system in the preseason and actually looked pretty good. Um, we're not able to do that right now uh, in part because of the numbers of, of guys we've had out. But, um, you know, you can change uh, the system, you can alter your tactics. Uh, and, and look, you know, as the league gets better, when you're talking about playing MLS and Champions League and playoffs, you're talking about playing... Uh, 40 to 50 games a year, uh, you need more than one nine. Uh, you have to be able to bring different changes. The league becomes sophisticated. We talk about the league getting better. Uh, you can't just have one player and say, okay, I'm good. That's it. We don't need anything else. You're going to need multiple solutions 
um, at, at every position. Uh, and that's how we're building our team. And, you know, we've, had, we've added uh, four TAM guys just in the last two transfer windows. Um, I, you know, and we're looking to add, you know, potentially a DP, uh, in, you know, in the next one or two. So, you know, we've been very active, uh, and yet we've been able to preserve the core of the team. And, uh, you know, we got to continue to get better. We know we need a goal scorer right now because we've lost one for the season. Uh, so it's a, it's a pretty normal thing. I think you're replacing, um, like for like in some form or fashion. And then hopefully what you wind up with at the end of the day next year is you have two really good players, um, plus the Will Bruins. Um, plus, uh, you know, the other exciting attackers, and, and then you sort it out. You figure out what's, what's the best system for that group of players. And you talk about the versatility in terms of, you know, playing a two-forward system in the preseason, maybe going back to it. In addition to the flexibility with the lineup, it also talks to the flexibility of the players themselves, Jordan being able to play at forward wing and the possible, you know, versatility of a new Tam or DP, also having that flexibility to play where it's needed to give Brian that however he wants to play the lineup lineup and whoever is healthy on the di- given day, whoever is available on the given day, being able to stay versatile with those positions. Yeah, and, and you want to have uh, versatile players, you know, players who can play multiple positions. I mean, if you have players with, with the right skill set, if you have players with a good, solid technical foundation uh, and you give them a tactical understanding, then you're going to have the group be successful. You know, I think sometimes we get bogged down and talking about individuals and, and it's really that it's, it's the group that needs to succeed um, and it's you know again in the, it, MLS for a long time you had six or seven or eight or nine uh, good players and you're moving to a world if we're not there already where you have hopefully 15, 16, 17, 18 good players and that changes how you uh, develop your team you know it's not just put your best 11 players on the field and they'll figure it out it's um, we have a system, and, and here's how we want to play, and these are the, these are the roles that these players are going to fill, and there's multiple people con- competing for a starting position, um, and there's just all these layers of complexity that have to come in and have to follow on this now. And It's being flexible from a playing standpoint, being flexible from a tactical standpoint, um, and it's it, it really what it results in is, is lots more options where you don't get into these binary Oh, if you sign a nine, that means the other nine can't play. Um, I think it's a much more complex solution now than it was uh, even just a couple of years ago. Um, and you know what? You, you've just had a, a massive increase in spending, and you have to have a massive adjustment in tactics and strategy to accommodate that and to move forward uh, and make progress in terms of you know. It just again, it's not it's not rocket science. You're not reinventing the wheel. It's, mm-hmm. it's doing what uh, major teams, major clubs do, and leagues all over the world. Hey, Garth, you know, we, we, we think about the great coaches out there, Alex Ferguson, and how he evolved his team from the 90s to the 2000s to, to where he finished up and retired. You know, very different players, but, you know, different systems based on the players that came in. You know, when you look at Montreal, and, and I know Harry Ship was talking before the game about um, Piatti and Bush were really the only two players that he, were there when he was there and how they kind of consistently feel like they're clean house and they haven't got any kind of consistency in their in the foundation of their team. Speak to maybe... You know, the Sounders, your philosophy, the types of players that we have, like your Roald Dahn, your Morris, your Stefan Fry from an age standpoint, that create such a bedrock and foundation, not just in the locker room, but also on the field, especially when we think about a player like Brad Evans, who is going to be on the other side of the field this coming weekend and what he was able to provide as a foundational piece to this franchise. Yeah, I mean, I think long before I got here, the, we've had consistency, you know, and, and the team's had consistent success. And I think um, when you're able to have continuity, uh, then you, you know where your teammates are, you know where the ball's going to be, and it allows you to play together. And 
um, you know, the league's moving forward very, very quickly right now, and you do have to make sure you evolve and adapt with that uh, and continue to give your players, uh, you know, to continue to put your players in, the, in a position to succeed. So, um, you know, consistency is important, but, you know, again, you can't, uh, you have to balance that with, with standing in place. And, you know, for us, um, having reached the final two years in a row, um, and it, it's shifted in the last uh, signing or so, but I believe we now have 15 or 16 of the top 18 guys from, from last year that are that are back in the team. And on top of that, we've added Ikram and we've added Kim and we've added Jordan McCrary and, you know, a couple others. Lamar Nagel's back. And, and you know, I'm just thinking of the contracts that we've signed in, in this past window and, um, you know, drafted somebody like Al Dan and, and uh, added him while in terms of a homegrown signing. So we're really trying to create value across the spectrum in the different pots that we have access to. And I think the key for us now is, is to understand we are a good team and, and to have some confidence about that. Um, and then understand that the game this weekend is really difficult and uh, we're going to have to to work really hard to get a result in Kansas city. And, uh, but it, it can be a real uh, springboard for us if we're able to stay organized and stay compact and, um, you know, hopefully uh, come out of there with a result. Garth, uh, Danny just mentioned uh, Brad Evans being on the other side of the field there. And when we look at Sporting Kansas City as a team and as a front office, they've been a successful club, you know, going back years. We look back at, at what they've done these last seven, eight years it has been very impressive from a standpoint in terms of just record and points. From where you're sitting as a GM looking at how they run things, what is most impressive to you about the run that they have had over these last some odd years just to put consistency on the board every single year? You know, I think anytime you look at small markets and small markets have done well, and you know, you look at the Columbuses and, and uh, the RSLs and uh, some of these clubs that have done well. You know, on, on let's call them uh, medium budget, small budgets. Uh, I think that's really impressive. You have to be you know, now. It's another one that's had some pretty good teams uh, of late. You have to have a plan, and you have to have a, uh, a plan kind of top to bottom, from academy to reserve team to first team, and you have to be efficient about how you do things, and you have to make tough choices. Um, and so I'm, I'm. You know, I have a lot of respect for anybody who can do that. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, when you look at Kansas City, you look at how their business is run. You know, I, I played back in Kansas City and when they were playing in Arrowhead Stadium in front of, you know, uh, a couple thousand people. And then they played in the minor league baseball park. And, you know, I think when they rebranded that club and they built the new stadium, um, they did an awesome job on, in terms of the off-the-field stuff. And they created a great atmosphere in that stadium. And, um, you know, I think they've done a lot of things well from a community standpoint. So, all of those things go into uh, having a successful club. And, and uh, you know, I think you, you look at them and, uh, you know, uh, Danny, I think it was you that asked about evolution. I think the thing that they've done a little bit this year is they've evolved their team. Uh, for me, they've, they've changed uh, their personnel to a point where they've, they've kind of evolved how they play and they play a little bit faster and they play a little bit more fluidly from what I've seen from so far this year. Uh, than they have in years past. And, and again, I think that's a reflection of the league's getting better and, and some of the tactics uh, that worked before uh, maybe are less effective now. And there's a real need for more uh, good soccer players on the team. So, so Garth, you know, last question I have is, you know, we think about consistency, consistency, not just on the field, but also in the coaching staff. Bob Gansler, obviously there for a number of years. Peter Vermes now is a kind of a uh, an icon of Kansas City, both as a player now as a coach, and certainly... Uh, has been there for a number of years. When you look at our coaching slate from Ziggy, who has a number of years built this franchise up to what it is, and then Brian takes that baton and runs with it, and obviously he's had huge success over the last couple of years. Maybe kind of speak to um, you know the skill sets of both Brian 
and and Peter Vermees and kind of the things that, that that they share in terms of being what it takes to be a really good coach in this league. You know, I think what's happening is you know in the first phase of MLS you had you had coaches who had to do everything. You know, you had to be general managers, they had to be scouts, they had to be uh, you know uh, trainers, they had to do everything. There just weren't a lot of staff. I mean, I, I played five years in the league in the late nineties, and um, I never had a full time goalkeeper coach. So, and you've evolved now into this world where you have goalkeeper coaches and, and uh, performance, not performance coaches, but performance staffs um, and medical staffs. And you have so many, so much more help and so many more resources. And, um, you know, we feed the guys uh, pretty good quality meals multiple times a day. And there, there's so many more resources now. And so I think what you're seeing now is, is you have this generation of, of, coaches who did everything and i think now um you're seeing the evolution of more specialists i mean if you look at this uh generation there's some good young coaches in the league now um that are taking advantage of a lot of the resources that they have from the standpoint of um you know whether it's sports psychology or data analysis or nutrition or you know all of the above uh you know even just a, a deeper tactical understanding and again i think it's watching the league evolve. You know, the league's invested a lot, and, you know, soccer's invested a lot in coach education uh, over the last couple of years, and I think it's really paid off. You know, you, you talk to the coaches when they come back from the, uh, the U.S. soccer pro license, and they have really good things to say about uh, networking amongst each other and sharing ideas and sharing best practices. And, um, you know, I think on that front, we're really improving as a league, um, the same as we are improving on the field from a talent acquisition standpoint. So it's been fun to watch, and it's been fun to watch um, honestly, being able to attract um, more high-profile coaches to the league as well, for the Patrick Vieiras, uh, the Tata Martinos. Um, you know, for a while there was a rap in our league that a, a foreign coach couldn't coach in MLS, and I think a lot of it was just uh, we didn't have the infrastructure and the resources around uh, those folks. Uh, and certainly, you know, for myself as an American, I'm still rooting for all the American coaches like Coach Schwetzer and, and a lot of the others. But um, you know, I think there are now a variety of coaches that can succeed. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's again, it's a sign that uh, the league is growing and improving, and that's a good thing. Garth, I think Danny and I both have a, a bunch of follow-ups, but unfortunately we are out of time this week here on Sounders Weekly, so we'll have to save them for a future show. Uh, great stuff, as always. Uh, we really appreciate your time today, and we'll talk to you next week here on Sounders Weekly. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Great stuff there from General Manager Garth Lagerway, and thanks for balling your questions in via the Sounders FC Reddit page and also Twitter at JacksonKJR as a Twitter account. Feel free to shoot me questions you want Garth to answer each and every week, and I'll do my best to fit those in. Uh, Danny Jackson, I know you got to run, but appreciate you spending a few minutes here in studio. I shouldn't say a few minutes. I should say about 45 minutes uh, in studio tonight. Thanks so much for coming in. No, thanks for having me. All right, guys, that'll do it for our second segment here on Sounders Weekly. we got one more here tonight. Uh, I have a prize to give away, uh, a whole bunch of money, $100 gift certificate towards a dining experience at Urbane in the Hyatt at all of eight. So you'll have a chance to win that with some Sounders trivia. That's coming up next on Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio 950 KJR. Hey. Now back to Sounders Weekly on your home for Sounders FC, Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back here to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Jackson Fells here for your final segment. Danny Jackson has left the building. Thanks to him for coming in for a nice long 45-minute chat. Uh, went over a whole bunch of stuff. If you missed it, that first segment we talked about 
fixing the attack, not panicking, uh, Brian Schmetzer's disciplinary style. Check out all of that on the podcast, sportsradiokj.com, after the show ends. In addition to our chat right there, you heard it last segment with Garth Logaway. Some interesting stuff there from Garth, uh, so we'll break down that uh, hopefully next week. Uh, some interesting things there, uh, as well as on the broadcast on Sunday, uh, by the way. You've been hearing it throughout the show. Sunday's match in Kansas City against Sporting KC. 1 p.m. kickoff Pacific time. We'll have pregame right here on Sports Radio 950 K- KJR starting at around uh, right around two th- uh, 12.30, excuse me. Uh, so 12.30, listen to me. I think it'll be myself, Pete Fewing, Wade Weber in studio as we take you uh, over to Sporting Kansas, uh, over to Kansas City, excuse me. Matt Johnson will have the call from KC starting at 1 here on KJR. Uh, all right, so, so what we are doing here on Sounders Weekly is we're starting a new monthly trivia contest for you fans out there. Uh, it's going to be testing your knowledge of the Sounders, and we got some great prizes on the line. It's from Hyatt at Olive 8. I uh, just heard a commercial played by uh, Hyatt at All of Eight, uh, and this relates to exactly what you just heard, uh, the dining experience at uh, presented by Hyatt at All of Eight, uh, which is the official hotel partner of Seattle Sounders FC. The winner of our contest today will receive a $100 gift certificate towards a dining experience at Urbane in the Hyatt at All of Eight. So all you got to do is call 206-286-9595 or 1-800-829-0950 with the answer to the following question and our producer Nate will be taking the calls back there and all you have to do is give him the correct answer the first person to do so uh, will win the $100 gift certificate towards the dining experience all right here is the question who was the club's first designated player who was the club's first designated player all right so you can call Nate up right now 206-286-9595-1800-829-0950 while you're calling up let's hear really quickly from head coach Brian Schmetzer uh, on Sporting Kansas City we're searching for the right group of guys group of you know players that are going to come out and score some goals and win some games Kansas City's had a kind of a reputation as a more defensive oriented team in the past and this year I think they're second in the league in goals. What have you seen from their attack that's kind of allowed them to take that step this year? Well, Gutierrez, uh, their wing play, uh, they've added some good, talented players. Um, you know, Kerry Shelton has come on and done a really nice job for them. So, they've added some firepower to what was already a good team. And their, their team is you know, a good, strong squad. So it'll be a tough game. Brian Schmetzer, head coach of your Seattle Sounders, right here on KJR. So, Sporting Kansas City coming up very soon for this team. Uh, Nate, who was uh, who was the winner? Who did we get on uh, on the call there? You got Franklin from Renton. Franklin or Renton? Franklin, I see you on hold there. Thanks for calling in. The correct answer was Nate. What did he say? Nate, what did he what did he say was correct answer? I'm making sure that you know because I did tell you earlier. I uh, you have to say because I forgot what it was. Freddie Lundberg was the club's first designated player, so congratulations to Franklin and Renton. Franklin and Renton getting that right gets the hundred dollars survey. That'll do it for Sounders Weekly tonight. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast on Sports Radio KJ Sports Radio KJR.com. Uh, and we'll be back next Tuesday from seven to eight. Make sure you listen to our broadcast starting Sunday, twelve thirty for Seattle Sounders against Sporting Kansas City. You've been listening to Sounders Weekly on your new home for the Seattle Sounders Sports Radio. 950 KJR.